In the hero's journey, we almost always find our hero surrounded by a ragtag group of fiercely loyal followers, each with their own skills, each with their own powers, each with their own special kind of magic. For many stories, the moral at the end is that by putting their unique gifts, skills, and resources together, this once ragtag group becomes an unstoppable force for the greater good. And for our story, that moral is no different. But getting the group of fiercely loyal followers together? Well, that's a different adventure entirely. This is Zero to Unicorn. Last time on Zero to Unicorn, we heard Norhart's facility director, Keith, recall a stark realization he had about the team's leadership in light of a construction site accident. When a crane fell into one of the buildings that was actively under construction on one of their sites, Keith wasn't confident that the leadership team was going to show up in the way that he needed them to in order to help them out of that situation. One thing I love about you, and you've always been this way, is you're willing to do what it takes to solve the problem. So you turned around, drove back to help solve this issue. But I can't imagine how difficult that is and in a culture and an environment where you don't feel like you have the respect that you deserve. And I know when you and the prior leaders were reaching out to the rest of the team, you didn't quite get the response you were hoping for. That's the thing that scared me the most is when I got there, there wasn't the support that was needed by the, you know, the, the rest of the staff. Um, we were just kind of out there on our, on our own trying to, you know, what's our next steps? What do we have to do? You know, taking a step back, uh, a number of years ago, our property management team wasn't the strongest team in our company. And that's probably putting it lightly. Yes. Um, when we looked at the employee survey results and our scores within that team, it was our lowest scoring team of the company. And that wasn't even a reflection necessarily on the staff. It was a reflection on the leadership. Correct. And we really struggled with that, or I struggled with that, finding the right leadership to lead mm-hmm. that team. I know, Keith, you were with us for part of that time. What was that experience like? I was. It was... Uh, tough to come to work every day there's uh you know the team didn't have trust for the upper management uh they feared for their jobs they didn't want to screw up uh, they didn't want to make any mistakes mm. so it was just really tough to get them to do the job that we needed them to do wow what do you think instilled that feeling in people um a lot of the people that were let go prior to that um a lot of the um uh, some of the management people were talking uh, to the other staff about being in crosshairs, you know, risk of losing mm. their job. So it was just a really fear-based culture that they had a hard time um, kind of wanting to be excited to come to work every day. I suppose when you lose one of your coworkers that you're so respected, right. you think, well, what is management doing here, yeah. right? Yep. They did not uh, really have a direction of where the company was going. It was just uncertain. You know, we knew we had a job to do, but, you know, we just didn't know how to do it. With this revelation came another batch of crucial hires for Norhart's leadership team. The first of whom was Stacy, Norhart's chief operating officer. 
we knew we needed to make a change. And luckily, that change is here today. <laughs> Stacy, <laughs> very much, uh, I'm so glad you're here. You know, one yeah. thing I've learned in management is that when you have the right leader, it's magic. That culture of distrust and not mm. enjoying coming to work every day. And, um, you know, our office team really struggled with drama. I mean, that's the best way to put it. They, um, they weren't supporting each other. They were afraid to celebrate their successes. Mm. Um, they, they were not, they didn't have each other's back. It, it was just a very toxic environment. Yeah. And you know, we had people that feared change and didn't believe that we were moving into a positive direction with the company. Stacy had a gift for identifying what and who was holding the company and team back from success. She reflects along with Mike and Norhart's facility director, Keith, about a tough decision she made in order to continue to grow the culture that Norhart needed to be creating. So we had several of our managers that decided to leave. And at the same time. At the same time. <laughs> and then also had, but we did have the opportunity to retain one key employee. And in my previous managing self, this employee is, you know, fantastic numbers driver, mm -hmm. um, really understood how our computer system worked, how our properties operate, who our residents were. Mm. And it took my authentic self to realize that this person was still very negatively contributing to the culture and the toxic environment that was happening. Mm -hmm. And so I could have retained this person on our team to make it easier on myself. And I elected to rip the Band-Aid off and let them go. Wow. And you had a... I mean, you literally had nobody for, what was it, two weeks? Three, yeah, three weeks. Three, three weeks. weeks. Yeah. Nobody. In the middle of summer. <laughs> In the middle of the summer. The busiest time with of the year. With 59 turns. Yeah. We, we, right. we did have a remote team helping out with some yes. of the phones, and they're fantastic. Right. But you had nobody here on site on the property management side. Yep. It's crazy. And I was still learning the systems myself. I was still learning our buildings. I, I was still learning my job and my place in the, in the company. Mm -hmm. And knowing that even if I hired somebody immediately, that there is that frame of time where they're still, they still have to be onboarded. They mm -hmm. still need to learn all the things. So really for a while, they're, they're not a lot of use that they're more time consuming than contributing. Yeah, absolutely. And she faced it head on. There's no fear. There is no, she's like, let's go. You know, it's like, wow, look at this. I mean, I, I don't know how I would have handled that, you know, and she handled it head on. And it's like, that's true leadership. She just jumped in and just went with her gut and her experience and her true self, and it directed us to where we're at today. After the break, these changes in Norhart's culture start to pay off in big ways. Hey, it's Mike. Let's beat the banks at their own game. Traditional banks don't have great interest rates, but they charge businesses like Norhart higher rates, and they keep all the profits. Why don't we cut out the middleman and connect directly, thus leaving more for both of us? Invest with us and earn fantastic interest rates. To learn more, visit norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H-A-R-T.com and click on invest. So if you're looking to grow your returns, then why not join Norhart Invest today and get more than you ever could at a bank? 
This is an offering by Norhart Invest. Investments can only be made through the Norhart Invest website. For more information, including the offering circular, please visit norhart.com forward slash invest. Mike's philosophy on hiring had changed dramatically. And with other leadership in place like Stacy, the buy-in for calling their people higher was taking hold across the entire organization. We didn't have much in-house still at the time of Encore. This is Dan, Norhart's construction superintendent. Uh, because we couldn't, we, we weren't paying high. So we, we couldn't attract quality people. And we had, we had fought Mike on some of those things. We, we had told him, absolutely, the right person can do twice as much. We would give him stories and say, we, we asked this person to do this task. And after a couple weeks of him fumbling it around, then Marie, who at that time was the construction manager, uh, got tired of waiting for it, and she just went and did it. Took her a couple hours, and was done. It, it was a black and white difference. This, the right person really can do something twice as fast, ten times as fast. Possibly looking up to a, a Tesla and a Google, and and revering some of these companies like that. Mike read it from Google and said, "Oh, that is true," and it changed something in his thinking. And he said, "I've been fighting you guys on this. I want to redo all of it." I, I, wanna, I want the best people, and we're going to pay the best. It changed everything. It changed who we have. Everybody that did stay got healthy raises. You're very chained to budgets at most companies. And yes, we have a budget, but Mike and um, our organization focuses on efficiencies and hiring the best of the best. And I've had individuals approach me since I've been here that have wanted to come work for me and work for us and they, their salaries may have been more than we had intended to pay for um, for a particular position. And I'd have those conversations. And the reality is, is that we believe that when you have the best of the best, that those people bring efficiencies. And as a result, um, that's a return on an investment for us to have those folks here. It's very important. This is Dean, Norhart's Director of Construction. There's times where um, We've hired employees and those employees are doing their job that they're being asked to. But it's not really seen until we hire someone side by side with them who's, you know, way above them, the best of the best, that we can see that the product production levels and the overall quality of work that that employee is giving to us uh, just skyrockets. It's it's better to, to pay for uh, high quality, best of the best employee and have one of them because they can do probably four times the amount of work that you know an average employee can do. We need high quality people um, thinking of new ways to do things, coming up with new processes, trying to change the industry and, and change it for the better, obviously, um, without Without those top minds and top people in the company, we don't grow. And yeah, we could, you know, we could continue on as our as we're going and not grow and and maintain. Um, but that's not who we are. We thrive to grow and thrive to overcome new challenges. Um, and we need people to do that. We need top candidates, top talent to do that. With buy-in growing across the organization something incredible started to happen. Instead of Mike or Stacy or one single leader driving the culture at Norhart, the culture was starting to shape itself. 
uh, I spent that whole first year pretty much in and out of interviews. I think our entire construction staff was turned over minus a couple individuals that were good individuals to keep um, who are actually still in, with the company today. I'd say 90 to 95% of the staff was turned over and I spent that whole first year just interviewing candidate after candidate, trying to make sure we keep our values high, keep our bar high when we hire new people. When we know there's a top quality candidate out there we're trying to get in our door, we fight, we fight hard for them. They're gonna end up working for someone or with someone and we want that to be us. So whatever we gotta do to fight for them, we'll do uh, to a certain extent. Um, well, I've told several people because, you know, they when they find out I work here, they uh, have reached out to me for um, to see what positions that we have available. And um, I, it is a startup. It, it is va very much a startup mindset. So we are constantly going. There's so much energy and buzz that goes around. Um, so you have to be fast paced. You have to be, as we said before, you the best, the best. Like if you are you just want to kind of kick back and and just do your job there's nothing wrong with that like no one's no one's faulting you but you're not going to be successful here like you have to want to come in and, and just want to hit the ground running and um, have that passion and have that enthusiasm and um, want to just ingrain yourself within the the culture and the organization and what we're looking to do like you just you, you just can't be average joe you have to be an exceptional we don't settle. Like we, we've had good people. You, you have really good people, and, and you know they'd be fine anywhere else. You know, I've had this even a couple times myself. Is you really like somebody? They're a great person. They do good work. But when you do good work, you're letting other members of the team down. Um, when everyone else is doing great work or exceptional work, or as they go back to and say again. You know, nobody wants to let anybody else down. If you're only doing eight to four Monday through Friday, or you know, nine to five, or and you're not contributing to that higher level that everybody else is, um, you know, we we want those people that want to be passionate, that are excited to come to work, that want to jump into the deep end of the pool all the time and try something new and. Yeah, you may be terrible about it, at it, and it may not be something that's in your comfort zone, but you can at least say that you've tried and you failed versus doing nothing. And I would say the biggest thing for that is like those people that are just stuck in that comfort zone. Like we really want those people that just want to just keep pushing. The success that I've seen in my life has come from hard work. Um, without without hard work, you don't. I don't feel like you can have that type of success. So kind of my upbringing and also my life experiences that I've encountered um, and my successes that I've had. So I think their, their hard work ethic, they, their punctuality, they came to work every time or on time. They really were hard workers, provided the company with what they thought was the best and also really exemplified the values that we had. You know, be respectful, roll or die, um, all of those that not everyone has, and so when you exemplify those values, you just, you, you're a good fit for the company. Some of our staff are hired on as what we call trial periods. This means they have a couple week window where they're not guaranteed a job, but they're paid to come work with us for a couple of weeks. At the end of those couple of weeks, their team, 
their co-workers huddle amongst themselves and go through the five values of our company and ask ourselves, does this candidate live up to each one of these five values? What I love about that is it's your coworkers who make that decision. Because the reality is great workplaces are nothing more than stunning coworkers. It's so important to maintain that for each and every team. So we, we definitely had value-based value questions. Those questions would try to weed out the ones who maybe don't exemplify our values as a company. Um, and then we had a skills-based interview. That skills-based interview would show us what type of skill that individual has. Um, through those skills-based questions, you can see you can see kind of their work ethic. You can see if they're able to work through the problem to get to the answer or just give up. There was a lot of people who put that question out in front of them and they just give up. They just, I don't know the answer. Well then, if you're not even gonna try to ask a question to get to the solution, you're, you're not really proving yourself as a hard worker. Being driven by values and being willing to go above and beyond for your team defines Norhart's values and has formed a unique and maybe even unconventional philosophy for Mike when it comes to letting people go. At orientation, we spend a fair amount of time on values. And the reason this is, is because this is the yardstick. This is what we measure all of our staff to, including myself. So our values are how we decide who we hire. It's a very key part of our hiring process and the trial period process but it's also the key metric on who we decide to let go. And the reality is that we evaluate our team regularly to see if they line up to that. And at times we may have all thought you were the right fit and you may have thought you were the right fit, but what we realize is that your core genius is not quite lined up with the position you're in. Sometimes we have to make a shift to a different position, but other times what we realize together is your genius is better aligned to another company. Or maybe you have a set of values that are a little bit different than ours. There's nothing wrong with that. That just means you're gonna be happier with a company that values the same sorts of things that you value. And so we're very active about supporting people on the way out. We say that average performance gets a generous severance. In some cases, we're, we let people know that they're going to be let go months in advance. So they have an opportunity to find the job that best fits them. And we'll still pay them a severance on top of that to help their situation. In other cases, if the employee is not engaged in the right behavior, if they're, if they're almost malicious, then maybe we're a little bit more aggressive on that. But we had an employee, for example, who uh, cheated on their time clock. They added an extra hour each day to their work. And this is a clear violation of, of being a good person, being honest and, and uh, truthful. And so there's, there's really no grace for things like that within our company. But even in those sorts of circumstances, we still have a heart. And so we still try to help that person find another job. I've, we've given letters of recommendation, even to people that we were unsure of, 
Uh, we've given people time to still find the appropriate job, even if they cheated in a way like that. But once you engage in a behavior like that, we don't keep you around here at all. But something that Norhart's leadership team has learned over and over again is that hiring the best isn't enough. You also have to cultivate a place where employees can be their true selves. Here's Stacy reflecting on her own experience. And one of the things that I personally struggled with when I first came on board was managing to my authentic self. Mm. I really had to work to unlearn some of the things that I had learned throughout my career, wanting to manage to please my boss and to do things how I would think other people would want them to be done. And whether or not it was the right or the wrong answer, but um, it wasn't who I was. And so I I really wanted to bring my real self. Mm. And I struggled in the beginning to really believe that I had this blank canvas that you promised to me mm-hmm. when I came on board and, and that I had the opportunity to take this canvas and paint this picture however I wanted, even if it meant sometimes that I scribble outside the lines. Mm-hmm. And so just having that moment of learning to do what I think is best for my mm-hmm. team, for our properties and for the company, um, and now to just embody that and do that every single day. I I always joke and say, you know, when you work for most of those companies, no matter how amazing they are, and they all talk about that they want to be innovative and they want to be the best of the best, the best analogy I give people is they all want to do that and they all say that. And it's kind of like asking somebody what color they pick and they can pick any color as long as it's a shade of gray. When I came to work with Norhart or the reason I chose to work with Norhart is you know, when you, when Mike asks you what color you want, you can pick any color in the rainbow, basically meaning that we're not afraid to do things differently or try different things for us to be innovative and the best of the best. The thing I'm most proud of is the um, employee engagement and how we've really focused on the culture of the organization that teamwork that I've referenced a couple times and of, you know, not wanting to let each other down. Um, even things as simple as asking other people outside of your box their opinion. So um, an example of this is, you know, we're in the process of hiring a, an IT systems manager and I know nothing about IT and I'm not afraid to say that. Like I've learned the little bit I've learned from you know, the, the couple of, um, of guys that I get to work with every day and going to them and saying, here's what I'm thinking that we need. Um, please feel free to give me your feedback on this. And, you know, having them say, Here, here's what you've got going on. I don't agree with this, this, and this. Here are my suggestions. But being open and honest and providing that feedback. Success comes from how the employees are feeling, how they how the company treats them will be an image of how they treat the company, I guess. And so when you keep employees happy, keep them down, headed down the right path, knowing what they're going to do next, knowing what they're doing right and wrong, you're going to get a good product out of the employees. And so uh, making sure that everyone feels they have a voice, have an opinion, and, and listening to them definitely helps the morale and the productivity of the project go up. Hiring well, fostering a culture where employees can bring their authentic selves, and, as time went on, 
it became clear that a third ingredient for Norhart's success had to be open and transparent communication from the company's leader, Mike. As far as his leadership goes, from what I've seen, he's gotten better at delegation is because with him becoming or him having less time means like you have to find a way to do more. This is Justin, Norhart's electrical finishing foreman. Like you can't do it all. You have to delegate those tasks out. And so surrounding and surrounding himself with, you know, quality people that can get the job done, that he can trust and delegate tasks to. Um, and that way I think his leadership's grown. I really think the biggest change has been finding the vision and then relaying that vision to the employees. At the beginning, I don't feel like there was much of a vision, like where the company wanted to go. We were just more or less building apartments and trying to, you know, build, just build more and more rather than build more quality apartments. And also just behind the vision, like talking about the values with um, the company at, you know, smaller meetings or at the company parties. Well, he shared about how many units he wanted by a certain time. Um, and that seemed like a, a big goal. Uh, but as we went along, it, we sped up the rate even further. And so the initial goal seemed like, hey, we might actually be able to do this. Um, and even faster than he was laying out. And right from the beginning, he, I'd say, was just obsessed with the resident experience um, and just making making a change in the world, really. I mean, like I had talked about before, he had always had that drive to, to take something from small beginnings and make it a larger, bigger thing. And so I think the change just happened when he started to relay that message to us. With these values in place, not only was Norhart better equipped to grow and thrive, they were also better equipped to handle those unavoidable mishaps, like the crane incident. So when the next inevitable disaster struck, this time, the Norhart team, leadership included, were the first ones to show up and proudly do the work. I, I always tell people that are new to property management that, you know, you have to realize that it's unlike any industry. It is 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, seven days a week. Just because we may go home doesn't mean that life still doesn't happen. And so that's good things in life and that's terrible things in life. Unfortunately, uh, this past Christmas, I was four hours from the cities um, and I'm on the facilities group chat and the, I noticed that there was a lot of chatter going on in the early, early morning hours. And I picked up my phone and rolled over and looked at it and you know, noticed a couple chats going through and it, and it started very minor, like a little bit of water. Um, so I just continued to lie there and hope that it went away. And then I started seeing more chatter and more chatter. And we had a substantial amount of water coming through the building. Um, what had happened was that weekend, Minnesota experienced extreme sub-zero temperatures. Ultimately, a, um, a resident had turned their heat off while they went out of town, and it was cold enough that it froze a sprinkler pipe on the fourth floor, damaging 32 units. We had water 
everywhere. It looked from like something from the Titanic going down the walls of a brand new building. Um, and Keith had called me. Um, he's done facilities for years, but hadn't experienced this level of a loss yet. And so I very calmly walked him through the situation, what we needed to do um, from four hours away. I hurry up, got dressed. But what's amazing is in a scenario like that on Christmas morning, you know, most people don't want to answer their phones. They want to ignore it. We had various team members who saw the chat immediately jump in and, and head off to the site to help however they could. Um, that meant helping residents that were affected transfer to other parts of the building. So physically moving their furniture, their belongings, helping sop up water, whatever that they could do um, to help them. By the time I got there, they had the majority of the standing water cleaned up and all of our team members were doing the best they could to assist our residents. Ended up you know, being about a quarter million dollar loss. 32 different homes were affected by that disaster. And it wasn't just my team, the facilities team that was involved in that. I should mention that you know, we had several construction workers right away reached out and asked if they needed to, um, you know, we had an electrician come in and just, you know, do you need help checking, you know, the mechanicals of the building and, and seeing what else we can do. So they jumped in right away knowing that that was impactful there too. And we ended up having to relocate four of our residents somewhere within the building. Um, so it was a, a pretty, pretty catastrophic event for us. The biggest thing with our team and what we try to do is we don't want to let each other down and trying to jump in wherever we can to help support one another and help cheer each other on or whatever we can do to make everyone else's lives a little bit better. Um, we definitely try to do that. When we come back, the long-term effects of the intentionality of Norhart's culture come to life in an employee story that has an almost magical parallel to the company's founding. Hey, it's Mike. Passive income is one of this year's hottest buzzwords, but what is it? Well, passive income is when the elite make money and the rest of us sleep. Here at Norhart, we decided to open up this opportunity to everyone by giving you the chance to invest with us and earn fantastic interest rates without doing a thing. To learn more, visit norhart.com. That's N-O-R-H. ART.com and click on invest. So if you're looking to grow your returns, then why not join Norhart Invest today and see what you can build towards. This is an offering by Norhart Invest. Investments can only be made through the Norhart Invest website. For more information, including the offering circular, please visit norhart.com forward slash invest. Ed Kading's legacy lives on in Norhart's growth story. There is no doubt about that. A father's love and trust passed down to a son who is now growing alongside a company that's impacting thousands of lives. And, as it often does, history tends to repeat itself in stories like these. Ed held the role of the master electrician and the superintendent for the construction site. Dan is Norhart's construction superintendent. And not unlike Ed, his care for his work at Norhart led to his children stepping into their own strengths and following in his footsteps. And after my brief time as, as a subcontractor for Mike, um, 
the role that I came in to fill was being the master electrician and the superintendent for the construction site. And coincidentally, uh, Ed's wife, Mike's mom, Brenda, um, while Ed was in that role, she helped finish the buildings, clean the buildings, do the final punch, get them ready for, for residents to move in. And as Ed stepped down, Brenda really at that time also wanted to step down um, and my wife was a cleaner. So my wife came in and, and she and I, to some degree, kind of filled that role for Ed and Brenda. The company went from still just a rough construction company, not, not any better than any others, not necessarily any worse. It was just a construction company um, into the kind of company where I, I'm happy to have my kids run around. My, my daughter's engaged to a Norhart employee. You know, I think of uh, uh, Bruce Willis in Armageddon where his, his daughter grows up around roughnecks and then falls in love with one of them and he's saying, not these people, I, I raised you better than this. I don't want you marrying somebody like this. I would have definitely had that outlook. And prior, prior to 2020, um, I, I didn't want my family around him that way. Dan was proud enough of what he and the team at Norhart were building that he was eager to welcome his own children into the fold. A testament to the culture at Norhart, one that spans generations. They get a bad rap because it's, it's seen as nepotism. Um, they're, I'm the boss, that's why they have the, the role they're in. Dad's a boss, they didn't really earn that job. Um, these kids joined when I joined, when my wife joined. They would finish school and get loaded into the minivan and spend the whole rest of the evening working on the construction site. Through my wife being the cleaner, they could legally clean and because we could get them legally on the job site and they're capable and they're incredibly hard workers. Um, they, they did the card readers, the cameras, the internet, all the low voltage, all the stuff with, with little tiny wires and their little tiny fingers. Emily and Elena did all of that from, from when I joined in 2015. They would have been 13 and 15. Emily's 23 and she is the head of that whole low voltage department for us. From a, a drywaller, a painter, from, from somebody that works for Norhart and has just been here the last year, doesn't really know who she is, just sees that's the boss's daughter and she's young and somehow she's the boss of something and she couldn't have earned that job. It's easy to just assume that it was handed to her, but she's very capable. She's earned that role. She's put in her time. All four of my kids, I don't need to spend time on, on all of them, but all, all four of them are, are capable and, and really, I think they are who they are because from the beginning, my, it's easy as a parent to do things for your kids, you want to help your kids out, uh, but also it, it, it's easier for you. Just shove their boots on, you're done, you can already leave the house. And you have to deliberately choose to not help to say you can do this and encourage them and teach them a few things and let them figure stuff out and, and be slower at it. When that is continually handed to them that way, 
they recognize that they can problem solve, they're capable, they can figure stuff out. They're all for it, natural problem solvers, natural leaders, and I think it comes from that mindset. Those poor kids, they would they would just work through the night. They'd come home at two in the morning or something, um, and it, it was just no skill, just pure heart. Wrap your face in towels and whatever to try to not breathe the dust in and just keep sweeping and shoveling and get everything off the ground so that we can pour gypcrete. And I remember Mike commenting about, I think it was all the way back to phase one, those little kids running up and down the hallways carrying stuff and just saying, I can't believe there's little kids out there that work like this. Now they get to look back at that and and realize all that it's done to shape who they are. All of, all of the kids just have, what's on their plate is right at the edge of what they can even handle. And you can't help but be inspired and challenged every day that way. It, I, I, I think that's at the heart of what's so exciting here. I think at the heart of it, we all, individually, all, all four of my kids and myself, we all feel extremely challenged. Next time on Zero to Unicorn, with the right people in place, Mike and his team focus on the next critical step to achieving unicorn status, adapting to industry changes. But they take an approach that could turn them into much more than just a small family-run business and instead transform them into industry leaders. <laughs>